we welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse number 17. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse number 17. We'll begin reading in verse 17 and read through verse 24. But as God hath distributed to every man, as the Lord hath called everyone, so let him walk. And so ordain I in all the churches, is any man called being circumcised, let him not become uncircumcised. Is any called in uncircumcision, let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing but the keeping of the commandments of God. Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. Art thou called being a servant? Care not for it, but if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. For he that is called in the Lord being a servant is the Lord's free man. Likewise also, he that is called being free is Christ's servant. Ye are bought with a price, be not ye the servants of men, brethren, let every man therewith wherein he is called therein abide with God. Which you notice the phrase we read in verse 17, as the Lord hath called everyone, so let him walk. I want to speak to you on the subject of walk in your calling. Walk in your calling. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 7, uh, the apostle is dealing with a number of issues. Foremost in chapter 7 are the issues that we've been discussing, the questions concerning marriage. As I mentioned to you, there were those in the church who taught that uh, marriage uh, could be an opportunity for sin. There were those who taught that any physical relationship, any physical contact uh, was forbidden and was sinful. Of course, we know that is not true. We do know that there is, uh, however, a boundary for the context of a physical relationship between a man and woman, and that boundary is the boundary of marriage. There were those in the church who taught that if you were married to an unbeliever, that you needed to separate from that unbelieving spouse. And Paul, of course, corrects that error in the seventh chapter as well. As we come now to these verses, it's almost as if the Apostle Paul is taking a detour, but he is giving for us principles to guide us in our lives. Remember, the Corinthian church was a church that was divided. There was strife and contention. There was jealousy among the body of believers there at Corinth. There were those who had uh, spiritual gifts uh, that perhaps, because of the nature of those gifts, uh, allowed them to have more visibility. And uh, some of the members of the church desired to have those gifts because they wanted visibility. Those who had visibility 
uh, used those gifts to advance themselves. And so there was jealousy and envy among the believers. There was immorality and wickedness. There was division and divisiveness. And now we find uh, that there's another problem here, and that is the problem of discontentment. And notice, if you would please, in verse 24, brethren, let every man wherein he is called therein abide with God. We'll note some things in this passage that I hope will be helpful to you this evening. But before we do, I want us to pray together, and let's ask for the Lord's blessing upon his word. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, the instruction that we have in thee and in thy word. And we pray, Father, that you will use your word in our lives tonight. Help us to receive. Give us understanding. And may we receive the truth of your word, and may we live it out in our daily life. May the Holy Spirit apply it to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at this passage and the fact that we are to walk in our calling, we're going to note a few things. Number one, God is sovereign in our circumstances. God is sovereign in our circumstances. Uh, As I mentioned previously, now Paul has been dealing with marriage, and there were those who were married and wanted to be single. There were those who were single and wanted to be married. There were those who were married and wondered if God would honor their marriage because they were married to unbelievers. There were those, no doubt, who were discontented with their marriage and just decided that maybe they needed something else or something new or maybe more specifically someone else or someone new. And because of that, there was a great temptation to seek to change their circumstances. Notice in verse number 17, the Bible says, but as God hath distributed to every man, as the Lord hath called everyone, so let him walk, and so ordain I in all churches. So we understand he's not just dealing with the specifics of Corinth here. He is dealing with all believers. And he's saying to us, as God has distributed to every man, as God has given you assignment, as God has given you ability and gifts, as God has provided these things to you, and as God has placed you within the framework of the circumstance that you now find yourself in, as he has called you in the situation and circumstances of life that you were in, so let him walk. In other words, live out the Christian life, live out uh, this daily Christian life in the circumstances that you already find yourself in. Now, in verse 17, he is, he is referencing what he's already spoken about marriage and about singleness, about the question of being married to an unbeliever or should I be married to a believer? I think we have thoroughly examined those verses, and so we won't move forward looking at those, but we'll move forward looking at verse number 18. Because here he's dealing with another circumstance, a different circumstance. Look at it, if you would, in in verse number 18. Is any man called being circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Is any man, or is any rather, called in uncircumcision? 
Let him not be circumcised. Here he's dealing with the difference between the Jew and the Gentile. And when he said, is, is any man called being circumcised or is any called in uncircumcision, what he's speaking of here is the situation, the circumstance that they were in when the Lord called them to faith in Christ. So he's speaking here of their racial status, their relationship to God. You see, the Jews were in a covenant relationship with God. And the, the ritual, the, the rite of that covenant that was practiced was the, the practice of circumcision. And so the Jews believed that because of the rite of circumcision, uh, they were separated unto God, and that is true. They were. However, the Gentile was not called in circumcision. This was not a command that was given to them. As the gospel was preached, it was not only preached to the Jew, but it was also preached to the Gentile. Remember what Paul said? To the Jew first and also to the Greek. So the gospel was to be proclaimed to all people. Now, living in Corinth, you had Jews and you had Gentiles. And when the apostle Paul would go to a town to begin uh, evangelizing that town in his missionary journeys, his first stop normally would have been the synagogue where the Jews would have gathered and he would have reasoned with them out of the scriptures. But the Bible tells us that as he preached to the Jews, he also preached to the Gentiles, and as the Jews believed, so too did the Gentiles. And there were those in the church who would have said, well, wait a minute. If you're truly going to follow the Lord, then you must become uh, or you must follow the ritual of circumcision. If you're going to please God, if you're going to really enter into the family of God, then you can receive Christ by faith, yes, but you need to keep this covenant. You need to keep this ritual of circumcision. And that was a question in the church early on. And in the book of Acts, there was a meeting in Jerusalem to discuss this matter. And the decision that uh, the church leaders came to as they followed the Holy Spirit of God was that uh, they were not to compel the Gentiles to be circumcised. And therefore, there was to be within the church no racial, ethnic divisions. And the Bible speaks in the book of Ephesians about the fact that when the Jews and the Gentiles would enter into uh, the temple, when they would enter into the court of the temple, there was the court of the Gentiles, and there was a wall of partition that the Gentiles had to stay within that wall. They had to stay in that certain designated area because the Jews and the Gentiles could not mix. But in Christ, that wall of partition, the Bible says, is broken down. And therefore, we are no longer separated. We're no longer strangers and aliens. We have become one in Christ. He has made of two, one. And so, therefore, what brings us into a relationship with Christ is not our ethnicity. It is not the practice of religious rites and rituals such as circumcision. What brings us into relationship with God 
is our faith in Christ. And he's speaking to them concerning this. And he says uh, here again, if you'll read it with me, in verse 19, circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. Now, there were groups divided, as I mentioned just a moment ago, along this line who thought this was a very important issue and that all Gentile believers needed to be circumcised. We found out that that is not true, and uh, therefore Paul repudiated that doctrine over and over again. And he is saying to the believers, do not be sidetracked, do not be divided, do, do not be dissuaded from your fellowship one with another based on the practice of circumcision. It is not circumcision, therefore, that brings you into a relationship with God. It is the keeping, notice if you would, again, verse 19, but the keeping of the commandments of God. What brings me into the right relationship with God? It is keeping his commandments. Now, I am not able to keep his commandments, and neither are you. That is why the Lord Jesus Christ came, and he fulfilled the law so that you and I could become partakers of his divine nature and his righteous record would be imputed to our account by faith. So we enter into a relationship with God not based on uh, some physical right of circumcision. We, uh, we enter into a relationship with God based on what the Apostle Paul referred to in the book of Romans as the circumcision of the heart, that we recognize that we were sinners, that we recognize that Jesus, the Son of God, was righteous. We confessed our sin to him. We came to him and repented, believing on his name, and we were saved. We were made new creatures. We received something greater than a physical circumcision and a physical sign of our covenant relationship with him. We receive the inward work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We entered in, therefore, into a relationship with him. And so in this passage, we see that God is sovereign in our circumstances, and in particular, as it reflects with our relationships. Now, as I said in verse 17, that deals with our, our marital relationships, our filial responsibilities as parents, and then here in verse 18, it speaks of our, 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 our social relationships with one another, especially based on race. We know that our nation is divided along the lines of race. So too is our world. Let me tell you this. Racism as it exists is a condition of the human heart. People exercise racist attitudes and racist behaviors because of the sinfulness of their heart. Prejudice exists in the heart of all sinners. But in Christ, it matters not whether we are Jew or Gentile. It only matters that we belong to him. And the Bible said that he has made us one of every kindred and every tongue and every tribe on the earth. You see, I can be as close in my relationship to a person who is a different race but knows the Lord. I can be closer to them than I can some of my own blood relationships who do not know the Lord as their Savior. 
If you want to solve the race problem in any nation, let me tell you how to do that. You fill their hearts with the love of Jesus. And until that happens, no program that is implemented by any group or any government will ever accomplish that purpose. The gospel of Jesus Christ will change a man. The circumcision of the heart is what matters. And so if you are a Jew and you've been circumcised, don't, don't seek to become uncircumcised. Don't, don't wish that you were someone different. If you are a Gentile, a Greek, don't wish that you were someone different. Understand that God is sovereign in your life. He has placed you within the family that he has placed you, and he has called you in the midst of that situation. And then we see another one here in uh, verse number 21. Art thou called being a servant? Care not for it, but if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. For he that is called in the Lord being a servant is the Lord's free man. Likewise also he that is called being free is Christ's servant. Now he's dealing with the, re the relationships of servants and masters, their status in the world. If you were in the Corinthian church, perhaps 40% of the people in the Corinthian church, as 40% of the people in Corinth, were in slavery. They were enslaved. Now, slavery was not based along any specific racial boundaries. It affected all peoples from all backgrounds. Slavery was an accepted practice. There were those who were poor and abused slaves, and then there were those who uh, lived quite comfortably and enjoyed lots of freedom even though they were servants. But the fact of the matter is that there were within the church those who were servants, slaves, and there were those who were masters. And we have an example of that in the book of Philemon. When Paul wrote to Philemon concerning Onesimus, who had been his slave. And as Paul said, when Onesimus came to me, I presented the gospel and he received Christ. And then he wrote back to Philemon and he said, I sent Onesimus back to you and I want you to receive him not just as a servant, but as a brother in Christ. You see, even though socially there was, a, uh, there was a, a relationship that existed between the two as master and slave, Paul said, you've entered in now to a greater relationship, and that is as brother in Christ. And Paul did not tell the Corinthian church to try to abolish slavery. He did not encourage them on a campaign to do so. But we understand that when the message of the gospel gets in our hearts and we begin to love our brother as we love ourselves, we'll not take advantage or enslave anyone or mistreat anyone. But the answer to those problems, again, is not found in a program or government policy. It's found in the message of the gospel as it gets into the heart of a human being. And so we see... He says, if you're married, don't try to get out of it. 
If you're married to somebody that you wish you weren't married to, don't, don't try to get out of it. If you're a Jew or a Greek, don't try to change your status. If you're a servant or a master, don't seek to change your status. Understand that God is sovereign in your circumstance. I don't know what circumstance you find yourself in, but all of us have circumstances that we wish we could change. All of us do. God is faithful in the midst of our circumstances, and God will use our circumstances for us. Remember when Paul had the thorn in the flesh, he prayed three times, Lord, remove this from me. And the Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient for thee. For in your weakness, my strength, he said, is made perfect. God is sovereign in our circumstances, and, and we know that he works all things together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his what? His purpose. God has a purpose that you and I oftentimes cannot see in the midst of our circumstances that we wish we could change and we wish they were different. But here's what we understand. God is sovereign in our circumstances. Number two, here's the second thing. Be content in your circumstances. Be content. Now, this is a hard lesson, isn't it? Notice again in verse 17, but as God hath distributed to every man, as the Lord hath called everyone, so let him walk. In other words, just understand that the circumstance you are in, the family you're in, the relationships you have, I know what those are, the Lord said, and I've saved you, and now I want you to live as a Christian in the midst of those circumstances that I've given you to live in. Look at verse 20. Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. In other words, you're not to campaign for reform to change your circumstances. You are to live contently in them. Now, we understand that contentment is a big problem, is it not? Philippians chapter 4. Would you turn there with me to Philippians chapter 4, verse number 11? The Apostle Paul says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and how to abound. I know, I know what it's like, Paul said, to have nothing, to be at the bottom. I know how to be abound. I know how to prosper. I know how to be at the top, so to speak. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And he said, I have learned in the midst of the difficulties of my life, the ups and the downs, the blessings and the difficulties, I've learned to be content. Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. In other words, I can be content in the midst of all things through Christ who strengthens me. He gives me the power to be content. What is the commandment in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 17? Thou shalt not, would you say it with me? Covet. I should not covet. That's a tough one, isn't it? You know what it means to covet? It means to want what somebody else has. That's what it means to covet. And uh, so let's imagine you've got a new car, and you're happy with it for a while, right? 
until you see one that's a little bit nicer than yours. And you think to yourself, man, I wish I had that one. I mean, that has the chrome package on it. And it has the sunroof. And it has those sensor cameras on the side, you know, that tells you when someone, you know, we're, we're never content. The eyes of man are never satisfied, are they? We're always wanting something. No matter what we get, there's something more out there. And so the Lord says to us, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Don't covet what somebody else has. And the reason that we covet is because we're not satisfied with what we have. And here's what we say when we covet. We say, if God was good, he would have given me that. That's the sin of discontentment. A good God, a wise God, a sovereign God puts me in this circumstance? Well, I deserve to have more than that. That's covetousness. The opposite of that, of course, is contentment. And the Bible tells us in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 6, in verse 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we, bought, we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. We all wish we had more, right? But if we have food and clothing, let's be content. Verse 9, but they that shall be rich, or they that will be rich, fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. doesn't say that they who are rich. It says they that will be rich, they that wish they were rich, they who wanted someone else's riches will fall into temptation and a snare, into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. We are to learn to be content in our circumstances, not to be dissatisfied. We live in a generation that is marked with discontentment and dissatisfaction. That's why this generation in our nation is seeking to deconstruct everything that this nation has been built upon because they're dissatisfied, because they feel as if they've been treated badly. The Apostle Paul is teaching us not to be seduced by that line of thinking but to understand that God's been good to us. Listen, if you've been across this world, you understand that there truly are people who are suffering. Now, I haven't been in a lot of places, but I've been in a few. My worldwide travels have led me to two destinations, India and Africa. To India, a very poor place, with over a billion people who worship a multiplicity of gods who are no gods, who when a little girl is born to many of the poor families, they leave the child on the side of the road hoping someone will take it or leave it there to die because they have no means to raise that child or at some point to 
purchase a husband for that child, so they decide to leave it on the side of the road. That's what those multiplicity of gods apparently teach them. Then Togo, Africa, to a blind school, blind African children, living on a mission campus, being taught and trained. Really some of the richest kids I've ever met in my life. Do you want to know why? Because they're grateful to know the Lord, and they have the joy of the Lord on their face and the joy of the Lord in their heart, and they will lift your spirits. They don't have cell phones and the latest Jordans, but they have Jesus, and they're content, strangely so. They who will be rich fall into many foolish and hurtful lusts. You see, the people in America who are complaining about how bad they got it have no idea how bad it really is out there. So may God teach us to be content in our circumstances. Here's the third thing, and we'll move quickly here. In Christ, we are able to live above our circumstances. Notice again in verse 18, is any man called being circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. They tell us that there were Jews who were ashamed of their circumcision who literally wanted to have a surgical procedure to reverse it. Is any called in uncircumcision? Let him not be circumcised. Verse 19, circumcision is nothing. An uncircumcision is nothing. You've missed the point, he says, if that's what your hang-up is. You've missed the point altogether. Here's the point, he says, keep the commandments of God. Verse 21, art thou called being a servant? Care not for it. If you were a slave, what would you want? You'd want to be made free, right? He said, if you're called as a slave, care not for it. But if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. In other words, if you get the opportunity to become a free man, then thank God for that. Allow God in his sovereignty to work. For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's free man. In other words, you have something better than human freedom. You have freedom from God. You are free in Christ. Likewise, also, he that is called being free is Christ's servant. As free people, we understand that we are not truly free. We belong to him. But in the sense that we belong to him, there is true freedom. And so he says, don't be concerned about this. Don't be worried about these circumstances. Just understand that you have a responsibility to live your life serving the Lord. He said servants are to render service unto their masters not as men pleasers, not doing just enough to get by, but as unto the Lord, giving our best to him because he is worthy. So tomorrow when we go to the place of business, when we go to our job, let's understand this, that as believers we belong to Christ and we should render service to him in our secular, we might call it, job. 
But we find out there is no separation for the Christian between the sacred and the secular. So we are to be the best employees we can possibly be for the glory of God. We're to be the best students. Hey, the best students to make the best grades that we can possibly make to study and apply ourselves and do our very best for the glory of God. In Christ, we're able to live above our circumstances. And then here's the last one. Look at it in verse 23. Ye are, what's the next word? What is it? Now, if a person owned a slave, how did they own them? They paid for them. They bought them. Ye are bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. Brethren, let every man wherein he is called therein abide with God. In other words, he's saying, wait a minute, you need to understand something. You're not owned by the master, the earthly master. You're owned by a greater master, the Lord, and he has bought you with a price. You might be a master, but understand this, you're a slave. You belong to Jesus. Have you, have you recognized that yet? Have you? Those of you who are planning what you're going to do with your life, you got it all mapped out. This is what I'm going to do. Have you ever bothered to ask the Lord what he would have you to do? Have you? You belong to him. You're bought with a price, correct? How would you like it if he hadn't bought you with a price? Do you know who you'd belong to then? The devil, bound in the chains of sin. But because you've been bought with a price, you've been freed from that. Now you belong to him, and he belongs to you. You become an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You are a purchased possession of Christ. You are not your own. Therefore, don't be the servant of men. Don't just seek to please men, but seek to please the Lord. Some people care so much about what other people think. It shapes everything they do in life. Well, I've got to do this because I've got to make a certain type of income. Oh, really? Who told you that? Did God tell you that? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these what? Things shall be added unto you. Do you believe that? Do you believe the Bible's true? Well, yes, sir, preacher, I believe the Bible's true. Well, if you seek the Lord first, did he promise he'd take care of you? Well, what if he calls you to do something that doesn't have a promising income? <laughs> Are you still willing to follow him? Amen. Seek him first. You are a purchased possession. You belong to him. Therefore, serve him with your life. And so we go back to verse number 17. But as God hath distributed to every man, as the Lord hath called everyone, so let him walk. Walk in the calling that God has called you in. If I'm going to do that, I have to recognize God is servant, he's sovereign rather in my circumstances. If you're married, don't seek to be single. If you're single, let God bring the right person into your life. If you're one particular race, understand that's the place that God has put you. Serve him there. If you're a slave or a master, don't, don't spend your life trying to change that. 
honor God in it. And if God seeks to change it, he'll change it. Be content in your circumstances. In Christ, we're able to live above them. And remember that we are the purchased possession of the Lord. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.